0: Welcome to the Particular Baptist podcast. My name is Daniel Vincent. I'm here with my co-host Sean Cheatham, and today we are going to be shifting into um, a particular doctrine today um, that we we feel is important to talk about in light of some recent events with uh, Todd White. Um, so Sean's going to kick us off today with our topic.
1: Yeah. So we will we will be talking about Todd White. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Todd White is a uh, very well-known. Um, I guess you would say he's in the new Apostolic Reformation um, prosperity mm-hmm. gospel preacher, that sort of that sort of world. Um, and recently, a couple weeks ago, he actually came out with a video indicating that he had repented, um, at least in some sense, uh, because of the film American Gospel. It had been sent to him. He watched it, and he he actually I listened to it. He was saying a lot of things about sin and repentance that uh as far as i had ever heard he had never talked about before which is very interesting uh and then he came out with a sermon uh i think about a week ago perhaps that um started to renege on a lot of that so we're gonna we're gonna discuss todd white a little bit at the beginning of this um, but the purpose of this is not to harp on todd white or be like, look, he's a, he's a false teacher, although we, we do think he is, and it's important to point that out. But the point of this is to use this as a backdrop for a discussion about repentance um, and what true repentance looks like, because that is, that, that is so re- important. Uh, when you're in the church life, you want to be able to identify people that aren't truly repentant so that you can, you can bring them to repentance. Uh, so that, that's why we feel the need to talk about this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. And, and like Sean said, this is not, and there had been some videos that have come out from other, uh, other Christians who have said, you know, they're directly criticizing him and this is not to, to tirade against Todd White. It's about repentance. You know, this situation just kind of gives us the the catalyst to talk about what true repentance is and what it's not. So we're going to be diving into uh, some scriptures going through some of uh, the London Baptist Confe- second London Baptist confession of faith um but we're going to before we start digging into that we're going to play a little bit of what Todd White said um in response to his uh first video he made where he said he did repent and basically what he was saying was I repent for not preaching a full gospel I repent for not preaching um, I, I think it was all of the gospel, right, Sean? Or, or not a gospel at all. I, I don't remember the exact wording.
1: Uh, I think he was he was
0: basically saying for not preaching a full gospel. But... Yeah, he was not preaching a full gospel. Yeah. And, um... and then in this video, he seems to backtrack on some of those or on that uh, or indicate that there is not really a shift or not really an embracing, I should say, of the true gospel. Yeah. Um, and some concerning things that we see. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and dive into just a few brief clips here to kind of uh, lay the groundwork for our discussion
2: today. So thankful for these men of God and women of God, and I want to thank again. Also, there are a lot of people out there that have believed that I I'm deceived. Thank you for praying for me. I need it. I need prayer. To say that someone's wrong and to not get on your face and cry out for their soul, their soul, their soul because if I'm deceived and you're not crying out for me and you say that you love God, you're a liar because you actually, you actually hate me. If I'm going to tell you that somebody's deceived but I'm not going to be one to go on my knees and behemoth human cries like Jesus did and cry out for them to see the truth. Then I'm not a Christian. I don't love them. I love my opinion.
1: I think we can probably stop it here. Um, so uh, Todd is actually saying a, a very important truth. Um, if you do care about the man's soul, you, you, you will be praying for him. Um, he's going to take this in a little bit of a uh, different direction than we would have hoped, but it is an important truth. And honestly, there were a lot of important truths that were it, were true. In yeah. This it's like mixing t-
0: a lot of truth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things that we would go, amen. Amen. Yeah. And then there are things like, Oh no, 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 no,
1: <laughs> Yeah. So if I, if I could address Todd White directly, I don't know if he'll ever uh, listen to this, but um, Todd, I, when I heard about this, I, I was praying for you and I have prayed for you multiple times Uh, Just because at the end of the day, I do think that you don't preach the true gospel, either in its entirety or truly the true gospel, doesn't mean that we, we hate you and that we're not praying for you. But at the same time, we would not be doing our job as Christians if we did not point this out so that you would be saved. It's not merely enough to sit in a prayer closet and then never call out anybody about it. We have to also talk about it.
0: Yeah, it almost seems like there is this um, this false dichotomy he's creating, like, you either pray for me or you hate me. Well, I, I, calling somebody out for their sin and marking them, especially if you're calling them to repent, um, is not in and of itself unloving. I mean, it's very loving to call someone to repent and to criticize them um, for, their, uh, for their errors if they're a false teacher. You want them to see the truth, so you call them out. Um, so that in and of itself can be very loving. Um, so yeah, And I think this kind of goes to the, also shows an attitude where there was not repentance. It's almost like there is this finger pointing to the other side. You know, you guys weren't doing this. You guys weren't doing that. Um, it, instead of praying for me, even though you think I'm a false teacher, um, it, instead of this acceptance of, yes, I'm the one who has fallen into sin. I'm the one who's teaching a false gospel, as I claimed I did in my video before um and embracing that reality and really taking humility there doesn't seem like to be that repentant humility here which yeah, you would see you know if you're truly repentant you're going to embrace uh, i'm not going to blame anyone else i'm not going to point exactly. the finger it's me i sinned i fell so and i think that's a bad sign right there y-
1: yeah and he's he's accusing people as we're going to hear it's the people from american gospel of of not praying for him and it, and it's like, well, how do you know they actually weren't praying for you? Uh, yeah, I, you're I making all these assumptions. I, yeah, I can't speak to everyone, but uh, I know Justin Peters appears in that video. And well, I don't remember specifically if he's ever said he's prayed for Todd White before, I feel like he might have, but I, I won't say that for certain. He said he prays for people like Kenneth Copeland. Like that's not outside of his modus operandi. So for you to assert, oh, they're not praying for me, it'd be like, how do you actually know that?
0: Um, And then he's going to go on and talk about, you need to be careful what you say about people. And then here he is saying, us making wide assumptions about people without proving it. (laughs)
2: Yeah. But with gratitude for people that have prayed for me and have said, man, he's going off. They made a movie called the American gospel about me none of them called me to talk to me not one of them asked me to share my heart not one of them asked me what i believe they assumed and put me into a place of guilt because of association and friends like bill johnson or kenneth copeland now all of a sudden todd's the biggest heretic on the planet or benny Hinn. shame on
0: or michael brown but that's side the point
2: you for not praying for me and talking to me, but making a movie thinking that you're God's police. You're gonna stand before a holy God and answer for your life of judgment and hate, and it's called murder. It's no different than racism. It's the same thing. It's called no love. You have no love if you think that being god's police officer is love you're wrong because you haven't prayed with vehement tears what does it mean to go after god in your prayer closet because that's where all this is lots of people have opinions but do you have a prayer life are you really sold out are you really going after the lord like you say you are i think
0: i think that's probably good um yeah i Again, he's making this false dichotomy. You're either praying for me or you hate me, and you're not really following God as you should be. Um, I, you know, we, <laughs> Scriptures are very clear that calling false teachers out or those who are, the scriptures say to mark those. How can you mark someone if you don't call them out? You have to mark them so they're identifiable. That those who are divisive, um, those who teach false teaching, they are called out, Paul calls those people out um, so that you can watch out for them. Um, that is part of following after God um, as is praying for our enemies and praying for those who are not saved. So, you know, he's creating this false dichotomy. And again, he's pointing the finger at those who are speaking against him instead of embracing humbly his alleged or his sin. Instead of saying, Hey, I did, I was wrong. These men were right actually um, that called me out and I need to embrace that. And thank you for praying for me. Thank you for um, for telling me the truth. And I, I can't say anything against you because I'm the one who did this. That That's what a truly repentant person does. And we're going to talk about here in a second the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Um, and I think that can kind of lead into that discussion. Um, and one other thing we wanted to play was just another short clip from Uh, Todd White, Uh, one thing that he had mentioned is that he really the the entire time had been preaching the truth, even up until this point, even though he said he had repented. Um, Essentially, he was trying to defend himself saying, look, how in the world can anybody have a full understanding of the gospel? As if he's trying to justify himself and say, well, I wasn't preaching the full gospel, but how can anyone have a a a full understanding of that gospel and and then try to defend himself saying, well, up until this point, I really have been teaching the truth. I just haven't been teaching it as correctly as I should be. Um, But the problem with that is you have Paul saying in Galatians that those who preach a false gospel are anathema. They're damned. They are damned. They're not saved. Those people are cursed of God. So that means you need to have a grasp of the core gospel. You need to believe it, embrace it, and especially if you're teaching it, you better darn well know what it is. So it's very important that um, we we understand the distinction between growing in our understanding of the implications of the gospel. Of course, we don't understand every implication of where the gospel goes in scripture, how it specifically applies to every single aspect of our lives That's part of what sanctification is. That's part of what growing in grace is and and learning God's word or understanding the implications of the gospel and God's truth as it spreads its tentacles in scripture. But if you don't have a grasp of the core truths of the gospel, justification, uh, the cross, what it means um, at the core, Jesus dying, Jesus is God. If you don't have a grasp on those core truths, and you're teaching that to somebody else, and you're saying, "Well, this is the gospel when those things are missing, now you have um, a false gospel that's not a gospel at all, and you're anathema that's what that's what the scriptures teach so um, we have to be very careful about that and what we're going to show here is a video from a while back I, I don't know how long this was ago, but it, it looks like it was um, probably a number of years ago where he makes assertions about the cross that are just flat out heretical. Mm-hmm. But remember up until this point, he's saying that, well, I've really been teaching the truth, just not as good as I, um, as I should have been. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and this we're gonna place. The,
1: this okay. video will uh, also intersperse uh, clips of Paul Washer in here, just to show a contrast of right. the true and false gospel. This is done by Steve Kozar, I believe I might be wrong, but I think he's the one who created this video.
3: The cross
2: to me isn't the revelation of my sin, see the cross to me isn't the revelation of my sin. The cross is actually the revealing of my value.
3: People say the cross is a sign of how much man is worth, that's not true. The cross is a sign of how depraved we really are, that it took the death of God's own son See, we've said that we're worthless and we're worms in the dirt, not realizing that that's what Satan is. Satan's a worm in the dirt and he's worthless, and he's trying to recreate himself in the soul of Christians. Now this is very, very important. God's motive for saving people is not found in that people. Something underneath of that sin must have been of great value for heaven to go bankrupt to get me back. Mm. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When a holy God looks at sinful men, the only thing their sin motivates God to do is judge them. God does not save us because we deserve to be saved. God saves us because He is a Savior. God does not love us because we deserve to be loved. We do not deserve the love of God. We deserve His wrath. God saves us because he himself is love.
0: Yeah, that's that's not a whole lot you can add to uh, to Pastor Washer there. But, yeah, essentially what Todd White is saying is that we have inherent value, and that's why God came and died for us. And he specifically says that it's not because of my sin that the cross is... um, is there. It's not because of, you know, the, the heinousness of my sin. I mean, that, that, that goes to the heart of the atonement, that the nature of the cross that's teaching a different gospel. Um, And so what Todd is saying up until this point really doesn't show that he's being consistent. It shows that he's not really being consistent um, with what he's saying about his repentance. Now that, yeah, I've been teaching it the gospel up until this point, but I just didn't really understand it as well as I should have, which is, you're, you're teaching a different gospel at that point. If we did not, we do not have inherent value. We have value placed in, ter- in salvifically, anyways. We, we are made in the image of God and we have value in that sense. Um, but in terms of our salvation, what motivated God to save us was not, you know, some sort of inherent value in that sense, um, salvifically we were saved because of God's grace and there's value put onto us because of his grace, but not inherently in us. Um, Because there's nothing, there's nothing that we can coerce God. There's nothing in us that can make God save us. We deserve wrath. Like pastor washer said, we're sinful. We're wicked. um, We hate God. um, And God is perfectly just to wipe us all out at any moment. So uh, that is a, That is a false gospel. So contrasting that with what Todd is saying now, that he's preaching the full gospel, there are certainly things that we see in both, you know, in the message, the clips we just played of him, um, where he's, you know, defending himself, that there are certainly things in there that are um, hopeful, I guess, and that do convey some, uh, some truth. You now he's talking about sin in a way that he seems to have not really discussed before. Um, so there seems to be a step in the right direction, but there's still not this repentant attitude and this full embracing or this full revelation of the gospel in his preaching. And if you listen to that sermon, he really doesn't, and I don't know if you got this shoe, but from what I saw, he really doesn't explain what the gospel is. He talks about living a holy life. He talks about... You know, we need to walk holy, we need to because God sees us, blah blah blah. But there's no exposition of what the gospel really is. It's a, there's a lot there about himself. It's
1: He does it, it talk doesn't
0: seem to be much there about it.
1: He does talk a lot about sin and repentance, and that's true. Um, right. I don't know but not, and he does not talk like a little bit the of the cross um Well, let's put it this way: for I guess I think it was almost an hour and thirty minutes. For an hour yeah. and thirty minutes, you would have expected a very clear gospel presentation in, in there somewhere. And, and there, some yeah,
0: the, I, I didn't hear it.
1: Yeah, some uh, of the I elements of a gospel presentation were there most definitely, but not systematically.
0: No, like um, if if someone were to say, "Okay, what is the gospel from listening to that message?" I I i couldn't tell you. <laughs> you know, just by listening to that alone, I couldn't tell you. Um yeah, there's there's no call to believing in, a, in the gospel. He's assuming that people are already holding to Christ in some way and then here's how to better your life. You need to live holy this way and you're holy this way, but there's no real call to deliberate salvific repentance. Um, and I found that, I guess I found that kind of uh, striking. Mm-hmm. But, Which,
1: as Dan was alluding to, there are some hopeful signs here. God very well might be working in Todd White, because he's already taken a step in a very different direction than he was before. I'm not going to completely say, well, I don't know. He he very well might be working in him. We might see a true repentance at some point. Uh, And that's what this podcast hopefully will be helpful for, to identify what that true repentance actually looks like so that we can truly affirm Todd as a brother if he ever comes to that point. Uh, which probably is a a good uh, time to actually switch into discussing what true repentance actually looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's all to say, again, this is not about Todd White. Um, We're certainly criticizing him, but this is really just setting the stage for talking about what repentance is as we want to contrast what it is and what it isn't. So repentance, biblically speaking really just means to change the mind at least if you're looking at it from a semantics point of view. In the Greek, it is metanoia, means to change the mind, to turn away from something. Um, biblically speaking, though, when repentance is talked about, at least as it relates to man and salvation, it means to turn away from sin and to turn to Christ, God, by faith. You know, that, and that can be in the context of uh, holiness and sanctification, or it can mean salvifically. Um, because we do so even as Christians, we're, as we are continuously repenting in our lives, we're still looking to Christ by faith, even in that. Um, and then you have your initial moment of salvation where you are justified, you believe in the gospel, you embrace Christ by faith, um, and you're repenting of your sins. And our confession, the second London Baptist confession of faith, um, does discuss repentance in chapter 15. This is the chapter of, uh, repentance unto life and salvation. Uh, I'll read a few paragraphs here. Paragraph two, quote, Whereas there is none that doth good and sinneth not, and the best of men may, through the power and deceitfulness of their corruption dwelling in them, with the prevalency of temptation, fall into great sins and provocations, God hath in the covenant of grace, mercifully provided that believers so sinning and falling be renewed through repentance unto salvation. Paragraph three, quote, this saving faith, oh, the saving, excuse me, the saving repentance is an evangelical grace, whereby a person, being by the Holy Spirit made sensible to the manifold evils of his sin, doth by faith in Christ humble himself for it with godly sorrow, detestation of it, and self abhorrency, praying for pardon and strength of grace, with a purpose and endeavor by supplies of the Spirit to walk before God and to all well pleasing in all things. End quote. And finally, paragraph four quote as repentance is to be continued through the whole course of our lives upon the account of the body of death and the motions thereof so does every man's duty to repent of his particular known sins particularly so we see what repentance is in paragraph two we see uh, paragraphs two and three and then in paragraph four we see that christians are to continue in their repentance throughout their life because we know that uh from scripture, that men still sin, even as Christians, we still have that fallen sin nature within us. And because of that, we must continuously be repenting of our sins. And that godly sorrow that we saw in paragraph three is going to still play a role throughout our lives. There is going to be some sort of godly humility, godly abhorrence for our sin. Um, and a desire to live holy lives and turn away from those things where we have offended God, even as believers. Uh, Martin Luther in his 95 Thesis discusses this um, as well. When our Lord, he says, quote, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance, end quote. So this is to be a continuous act throughout the life of the Christian. Um, so repentance initially in salvation does not mean that we are perfect after we are saved. There's still that sin nature, but it means that there is now a turning from this willful rebellion to God and this hardness of heart that you had before in rejecting the gospel, rejecting God, whatever it might be, and turning now to embrace Christ by faith and by faith living a life of holiness and with a direction to submit to him as Lord. And that is key to understanding uh, repentance. We don't believe that repentance is a work as some, <laughs> some do assert. Uh, those anti-lordship guys like to you know say repentance is a work and, and we shouldn't, and they reject it as biblical in spite of the explicit language the scripture uses about repentance. Uh, we believe that it is that like faith, a gift and that they go hand in hand that when you, Believe by faith. You also repent. They're not the same act, but they they happen at the same time. And so, by turning to Christ in faith and repentance, we are saved. God has God imputes His righteousness to us upon that act. Um, but they are gifts of God, and and they continue to be a gift of God as we go throughout our lives as Christians. Um, it's repentances, anyways, that we continue to turn from our sin and and confess our sin to God. First John 1 9 teaches, we confess our sins will be forgiven. It's, but it's something that we must continuously do.
1: Yeah. At this point, I, I'd want to bring up a, a couple of Bible verses to talk about uh, repentance. First one is uh, Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So repentance involves not covering your sins, right? Right. If you're, if you're turning away, you're not going to cover them up. Um, and as this scripture says, if you do, you're not going to find mercy. So true repentance does involve not covering your sins. Uh, Proverbs 1, uh, 23 says, turn you at my reproof Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. So, this is saying, at a reproof, at a rebuke, you 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 better turn. Which, once again, that's uh, the root of um, well, it's uh, it's related to the concept of metanoia. You're turning away from your sins. So, turn at the rebuke. And mm-hmm. this is something that we didn't really see Todd White doing. Right. Rather than accepting the rebuke and turning, he. Shot up to defend himself, right? Um, and uh, true repentance will do that turn and not attempt to defend itself. That's 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 crucial. Then uh, last one, at least for me, is uh, Joel two thirteen, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth Him of the evil. So uh, the first part is what I really want to focus on. Rend your heart, not your garments, because people can make a great show of repentance. And I I do think that um, in the the previous video, Todd, like I was I was I was quite emotional because I saw that he was emotional. I was like, wow, this looks like a true repentance. This is this is great. Um, He was crying. So you can you can have a a great show about your repentance. But that's not the type of repentance God is after. He's not the tear your garments, which was a a cultural thing that uh, in the Middle East, they would do to show extreme, uh, I guess, extreme anger. or It was a sign of repentance. Um, But God is saying, no, rend your heart, rend the inner man. Let that be torn. Let that be broken over what you've done. Not, not your garments, which ultimately don't matter. Uh, The person must be broken over their sin.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I want to read a little bit from Benjamin Keach in his child instructor. Uh, this is actually from a Facebook post from Tom Hicks. Um, but there is a question in here that Benjamin Keach had from a father to a son. And that's how it, it's almost like a catechism that he had. Um, so, Father, what other sign can you give to one who hath true repentance wrought in him? Son he that hath true repentance wrought in him doth not only hate and loathe his loathe sin, but also leaves it and turns from it. Yea, from every sin, yea from his secret sins, as well as from open and scandalous sins. Father, what other sign do you give of a true penitent person? Son, he desires as much to have his sins mortified as to have them pardoned, to be freed from the filth of them as from the guilt of them in a word to be made holy as well as to be made happy, to be sanctified here as well as to be, save hereafter so there, to your point sean there is this inward um there's this inward change this inward desire it's not an outward display but basically like what the pharisees did pharisees were masters at putting on display their righteousness quote-unquote and their holiness you know they parade around um you know thank thank you lord that i'm not like this tax collector over here you know this false repentance this false humility Rather than rending their hearts and realizing in humility their own sin and vileness before God, there will be a an inward render, uh, rending of sin, in um, a mourning for sin. James talks about this as well. You know, um, cleanse your hearts, you double-minded. Weep and mourn over your sin. There's to be this godly humility and sorrow for our sin. Jesus talks about this as well in the Beatitudes. Um, in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, this is not a mourning of of just mourning for, you know, a loved one passing away or something sad happened in your life in general. Now, this is specifically kingdom life and in relation to sin itself, mourning for sin, those who have a true godly sorrow for their sin or true rendering of the heart. Those are the ones who will be truly comforted, spiritually comforted, um, because they're showing, they're repenting of their sins. Other places that we see repentance mentioned in scripture, if you go back to chapter four of Matthew, uh, Matthew starting in verse 12, says, now when he, now that's Jesus, he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew from Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, in the shadow of death, and on them a light was has dawned. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you can see right away. Jesus is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He's teaching repentance. He's not teaching anything else. He's teaching repentance, which would also involve uh, faith. He's teaching to turning away from sin. This was also John's, and I think you're going to touch upon this too, Sean, but John's call um, that there is to be repentance. this turning away from sin and embracing um, what God had revealed in Jesus Christ. Um, if you go to Acts 2, 37 through 39. If I can find it, John, I did not thumb, I did not uh, mark these. Acts 2, 37 through 39. Now this is the sermon that Peter is giving at Pentecost. He says, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, there's this call. He's laid out what the gospel message is, or at least in the sense of Jesus coming, Jesus dying on the cross, giving basically a history lesson. And then they're cut to the heart. They're convicted. Okay, what do we do? You're saying we need to be saved. What do we do? Repent. Repent. Turn away from your sins. Believe in Christ. Again, we see this attitude of, of turning away, this changing of the mind. And finally, if we go to Second Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 10. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church a second time, really commending them on the progress spiritually that he's seeing in the Corinthian church. Remember from 1 Corinthians, there is scathing rebuke, and I think there's still some in this book, but very much so in 1 Corinthians, a scathing rebuke for the way that church had left God, so to speak. They had uh, walked away to some extent from the truth. They were living in open sin. Some of them were. um, And Paul is saying here that he's joyful to see that there was repentance. And he discusses the nature of true godly repentance. Starting in verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered for the wrong. But in order that your earnestness might, uh, earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. So we see this what true repentance is, Paul basically lays out here, he said, you guys have done these things. There is a cleansing of themselves. There is a zeal for what is right. There's a godly sorrow. And he contrasts the godly sorrow versus worldly grief. Godly sorrow. What is that? That is a true desire and true humility of heart and a true sorrow for your sin because you sinned against God. You've broken his law. A worldly grief is the grief of Esau. It was a, a repentance because he didn't get what he wanted. He realized that he had screwed up. You, you look at, uh, uh, I think it's in Hebrews, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but where it says that Esau saw no chance to repent, even though he saw, he sought it with tears. Yep. You know, he realized that he had messed up and that even though he cried in tears, he cried for Isaac to give him a blessing. He wouldn't do it and he wept, but it was it was a worldly grief. It wasn't because he, he had sinned against God. Um, it was because he didn't get really what he wanted. It was a worldly grief, but a godly sorrow produces true repentance because it it's a sorrow that is humble towards God and embraces sin in, in terms of uh, that you have committed it and that you need to repent of it, accepting full responsibility for it and a desire to turn away from that sin and all sins and walk according to what the scriptures have given. And as we look at Todd White here, we don't see that. As we noted before, we see this design, this lashing back at those who criticized him or criticized him, this finger-pointing. Instead of just embracing the fact that he sinned, he was not preaching the correct gospel, being humble um, and, and accepting that and crying out to God to help him to continue on, in the correct way, he seems to be doubling down and pointing the finger at others, which is not the sign of repentance that we've shown from these clear teachings of scripture. There's no true humility. There's no seemingly no real godly sorrow that leads to true humility um, and and accepting of responsibility. Um, So that's really what the Bible talks about when it talks about repentance.
1: Yeah. Um, Don't let anyone ever tell you, oh, you can't know my heart. You can't know if I'm repentant or not. Um, As as Dan alluded to earlier uh, in the ministry of uh, John the Baptist, um, this is Matthew chapter three, starting at verse seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. How, how How does John the Baptist know that they're broods of vipers? Well, it's because they don't have fruits of repentance. You can know what a, a truly repentant person looks like. It will have fruit to it. Um, so don't, don't let anybody, because a lot of this is inward, true repentance is inward, don't let anybody uh, try to trick you essentially into when they don't have fruit saying, oh, you, you can't know my heart. No, uh, true repentance will manifest itself uh, it is identifiable. You can, you can see if somebody is truly repentant because it does seem like they care about God and not just because they have consequences to their actions.
0: Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and then one other thing we wanted to, to talk about, you know, repentance pre- predominantly in scripture is applied to men. We also see this language use of God um in the old testament um i believe it's with the flood talks about god repenting that he had created man um i'm trying to think of some other places sean so i actually i quoted one earlier with joel
1: 213 uh for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of evil Mm. um so obviously that's sort of would on its surface create a uh, a problem from a, a Calvinistic framework because repent means to change your mind and God who we say has uh, de- determined all things that come to pass uh, before the foundation of the world and knows all things uh, why would he change his mind it's sort of a, a contradiction and that gets into uh, and I think Dan will go into it more of This is uh, anthropomorphic language. It's not necessarily saying that God literally changed his mind. A a good example would be there's a difference between you're standing in line for ice cream. And uh, at first you say you want chocolate. And then you sit there and think, and it's like, oh, no, I want vanilla, right? uh, We as human beings, we've literally changed our mind. We wanted one thing, and now we're going in a completely different path. Uh, There's a slight difference with that uh, with God, where it's it's not so much he's changing his mind as his creatures have changed their actions, which causes him to go on a different path. So for example, uh, in this case, if uh, the person, and Joel, if the person did actually rend their heart, uh, he would repent uh, of the disaster he was going to bring about them. Not that he was changing his mind arbitrarily, but just that okay, my creatures are doing something different. I am going to treat them differently than I otherwise would have.
0: Right, and that's even part of his decree, anyways. So there's really no change yeah. happening. Exactly. It disappears. It gives the appearance of change, and we see uh, like Numbers twenty three nineteen. Says God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So God is not going to change his mind with regards to his decree or with regards to his actions. It's impossible for him to do so. James one seventeen: Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. There's no changing, no actual change in God, but like Sean, so there's this anthropomorphic language that's being used, and I think it's really to help us to understand who God is in a very limited sense, because God is so unlike us. God is nothing like us. Um, he's in a completely different category. Um, I guess besides the fact that he exists and we exist, there really is nothing we can compare to um in the ultimate sense while there are similarities in terms of like he loves we love he um you know he's just we act justly in a a sense um there really is no comparison we can't say well we're in the same category of being as god so because of that that means we can't speak of god when we say things about god it's not necessarily going to reflect who he uh who he is. So we have to speak of him in a way that we can understand. And I think that's why God gave us those terms, like he repented, or God's reached out his hand, or Moses saw the back hindquarters of God, language that helps us to somewhat relate to him, because God is so unlike us. And I think uh, we have to view those scriptures in that way it's anthropomorphic language to help us understand who God is because we can't in our finite minds grasp an infinite simple eternal being we, we just can't do that because we're not in that category um, the only problem is there are those who take the anthropomorphic anthropomorphic language of scripture and make that uh, univocal about who God is. Okay. This must be speaking about who God literally is. Oh, look, he changed his mind or, Oh, Oh, look, uh, Moses actually saw his hindquarters. You know, God has hindquarters. You know, there are people who take scriptures like that and apply them in that way. And so we have to be very, very careful, especially taking all of scripture into account, taking the explicit clear teaching of scripture and using that to inform the less clear, um, So, you know, we bring that up because uh, it does fall into this topic of repentance because the word is used not only of men, but also of God. Um, And so just pointing that out, uh, we think is important. All right. Anything else you wanted to add, Sean?
1: Um, Just a a call to repentance. In uh, the book of Acts, uh, I want to say it's chapter 18, but I might be wrong. Uh actually no, it's it's Acts 17. Uh Paul tells us that God calls uh, all men to repent. God commands all men to repent. It's a command. You actually, if you are unrepentant, you don't have the right to say that uh you, you don't want to repent. Obviously, people will remain unrepentant, but they don't technically have that right before God to do so. Um so if you are unrepentant, you're you're you say you're a Christian, but you're repentance doesn't match with what we've discussed from the Bible today. I call upon you to truly repent. Uh, hell awaits you. We are all sinners, and God's just punishment is to send us to hell. Uh, there will be nothing unjust in him doing so. But uh, God has said for the one that believes in his son, the one who repents, that person will be saved. So I would call upon you to uh, avoid that faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, be saved. Repentance being an aspect of true faith. Um, And that is God's promise.
0: Amen. Amen. Yes. Um, And we've only scratched the surface of what repentance is, but yeah, at the end of the day, turn away from your sin. If you have not walked according to what the script, if you're a Christian who's living in sin or you're an unbeliever who rejects Christ, turn by faith to Christ. If you are not saved, you will be saved. That is the promise that we are given. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Um, but we thank you for uh, giving us your attention today. And Lord willing, we will be back next week uh, to discuss more theology. Take care. a good one.